How well, boys? Chris is back. Hey. Uh, actually, Steve Thompson did a bloody good job replacing Goodness. you last time. Oh, we yeah. were Cam was thinking of maybe making him permanent and <laughs> retiring Cam. Actually, retiring Cam permanently too. I thought about retiring an hour ago myself, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was stuck in the traffic. I, I did listen to that podcast. Yes, Stephen did a it's fantastic done. job. It was wonderful listening to him and so. his mindset on running the team of ladies and so forth. I think it was a, a, a lot to learn. A lot to learn. It was a fantastic podcast. Oh, well, so let's have a look. What's happened in the last two weeks? I mean, we now the what is it, the 5th of March, or yeah. how are we going? Tomorrow's the 5th. I know that because it's the wife's birthday tomorrow, so oh. I can't forget that or I'll be in deep shit. How is it going, Cam, after your two-hour journey down here today in the traffic? and I'm just trying to recombobulate, He's mate. a little Come bit flustered, guys. He's a little bit flustered. No, I'm good. He's mate, I am amazing. I've had a crazy couple of weeks. been very, very good for a lot of different reasons. Big fellas, 13 today. Jack, happy birthday. Hey, if happy birthday, listen, mate. You won't. You won't. <laughs> mm. Hey, listen, what about the coronavirus huh? and all oh, the shit that's man. going with it? How yeah, long ago was it? A month ago, where we asked whether it was all bullshit or whether it was fair dinkum. Was it going to blow up in our face or what? But um, fucking moron! Stop buying toilet paper! You're all idiots. <laughs> Fuck, mate! It's Jesus. not only toilet paper. I'll tell you that um, the two main supermarkets out my place, toilet paper and hand towel, gone. And then when I went to the shops this afternoon for some nibblies, all the shelf of again in Coles down the street here in Norwest. All toilet paper, all hand towels, gone. Does Completely anyone work empty. out why people are buying toilet paper? I think because the majority of it is made in China and there's no exports coming to Australia. And I think that's what they're looking at. Is Have that- a shower, you grubs. <laughs> Shit the shower, that's the way to go. No one's stocking up on food and water, it's toilet paper. Thank God it's raining, right? Because we're not letting all the restrictions if, on If there's no three-ply left, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so I need to... Yeah, I treat my body like a temple, as we all know. I said to my wife, "We're going to uh, we're going to ration the ration to the kids two sheets per sitting. So if they have to go to the toilet, you get two sheets of paper and make the use of it." Yeah. Well, as of as of this morning, even Woolies has put a limit now to uh, customers. Oh wow! Yeah, you can only buy so many. Yeah, Brera's out, I believe. It's it's a worrying thing because to me, it's telling me a lot of shit. Like social media has got all of us so anxious now that we tend to overreact. If a message gets repeated time and time over and over again, yep. we become highly anxious about it. And sensitive. Give Cameron money. Give Cameron money. Give Cameron <laughs> That's money. That's right. This is how stupid we are, right? And so it's not just toilet paper. It's the hand sanitizer. So the kids who need really hand sanitizer because they have, let's say, syringes or shots that they have to have, you can't even find material for that anymore. Yeah. That is bullshit. And you know what? People are going to turn around, complain about the fact they can't pay for their fucking mortgages, and they're going to have to turn up to the bank with toilet paper to pay for their mortgages. There was a point I was listening to Triple M on the way over, and they ripped into every idiot buying toilet paper this morning. But one of the points he made, which was a good one, not very friendly, not very human-like, because what about when your neighbour can't wipe their ass? Are you going to sell them? Are you going to start selling yeah, it's all. It's funny when the world's coming to an end. Everyone's out for each other, aren't they? It's, yeah, I've got to get it before everyone else can. It's yeah. ridiculous. Let, let's help our fellow man not, and uh, I'll worry about mine. You worry about yours. Yeah, well, Unfortunately, it's not the way it should cavemen be. Cavemen used to do it with leaves. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, or something. Look, uh, and you know what? It's just not shower, toilet paper. It's just not toilet paper. It's just not hand sanitizer. I think rice is disappearing off the shelves. I think long-term foods, canned foods, are disappearing <laughs> off the shelves. I, I think Houses uh, are disappearing off the shelves, mate. There's still plenty of people buying <laughs> houses. I've yeah. had a great week. The, what they call that show in America, prep, Doomsday Preppers? Doomsday, doomsday, doomsday Preppers. Oh, yeah. uh, having those, I think we've got to go out and get a bus and convert, Wisebury bus and convert it into a... <laughs> those blokes are legit. you never seen oh, buying no, toilet yeah. paper, bro. They've, they've got, got armoured vehicles. Because they've got it all stacked <laughs> up already. 4,000 litres of water. Yeah. Ah, morons. Yeah, so what are. wine have we got this week, boys? Well, okay. Well, usually, as Cam said, I bring shit wine, so I'll start. Just jump in there before you say No, it. no, no, no. You have your we'll red, so it's not bad. Man. So we'll, we'll start with the white, man. All right. So let's start with that. your white, bro. All gonna, right. I was going to read what it was, but absolutely. Go for it, man. No excuses, but I was under pressure today. I was in a rush. I so. sound like that's an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about what Thomas said last week where he said, we've got to try different things and we've got to expand. So I brought a Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's left the field. But I've gone, mate, it is left field because I'm going Hunter Valley. I'm going Adelaide. Right? So it's a McGuigan 
The shortlist from Adelaide Hills to 2017. McGuigan are in the Hunter Valley, but this is this these grapes came from Adelaide. 2017 meant to be a cracky year, and this is more of a reserve type wine. So I've been staring at the label a few times. It stands out on the shelf because it's so small. And, when you're and what's the uh, 30,348? Is it serial uh, every stamp? Really? Mm. Every bottle of stamp? Stamp bottle. Wow. Oh, well. So it got a four out of five on Vivino. Wow. That's about all I know at this stage. Right, oh, well, then let's try it. Let's stop wasting time. Man, we've been waiting for you for an hour, man. Oh, bro. That's right. We've had a good chat. Dumb, well, dumb. It was intelligent, was it, boys? Yeah. Uh, well, you're not as intelligent as the coronavirus. No. I think the coronavirus is a bit racist. First, it attacked the uh, Chinese. But apparently, it's now leaving the Chinese alone. It's now attacking Italians. <laughs> and it's very, very smart. Just virus, got right? into, I just heard on hey? the way over, it's um, got into a nursing home over here, and the person had never left the nursing home, so they're not sure how they got it. So oh, maybe a uh, bit of Chinese and Italian blood somewhere. It's getting a bit for real. <laughs> Jack's loving it because his conspiracy theories are all starting to come true. So he's texting me every oh five minutes. God, my wow. conspiracy bullshit hey. artist. Can, can they just shut up? Hey, Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Cheers. Cheers. I just drank way too much at once, but that's bloody good. Talking about conspiracy <laughs> theorists. <laughs> when people are not busy, they always look for shit to get their mind on. Ah, yeah. And that's how, to me, a lot of conspiracy comes up. And, you know... There's always two sides to everything. If you wanted to start some conspiracy crap today, just pick any subject and go the opposite. And if you say enough and you use enough channel to say it, you'll see how many people will start latching on and say yeah. it's the truth. Yeah. Like someone told me that uh, every plane, those smokes that are behind, you know, those, those trails that are left behind. Yep. What do you think they are? That is actually the plane coming down from an altitude hitting the sun, and it's the actual ice off the plane melting as the, the weather warms up, it flies into warmer weather. Really? Because there are people who believe that it is chemtrails, that government are getting planes to kill us slowly with the, those chemicals. I mean, come on. Or can control our intelligence or something along those lines. Man, yeah. can... Just exhaust fumes, mate. I know exhaust a lot about fumes. planes. <laughs> oh, mate, petrol burns got to go somewhere. <laughs> No, and so to me, the biggest problem is with all of these issues, including the coronavirus, which to me seems to be nothing else but another flu virus. Yep. It seems to be something like a placebo effect. If you talk enough shit that's going to kill enough people, if you actually going to spread rumors about it, well, chances are some people are going to really make that happen in their own head, in their own system. So people who've got nothing better to do, which is what you said about people who aren't busy. Yeah. They've got time to worry about that shit. I, I, I've just now we've really got to worry about shit because how are we going <laughs> to clean it? <laughs> you know, uh, I think we've mentioned this in previous podcasts that how news is easily put out there with social media yep. from so-called trusted sources. It's made up, whether you call it fake news or whatever. People desperate to report on something to grab the headline yeah. on the coronavirus. Yeah. I saw a video the other day where these Americans, there was four of them, they were, had an interview via teleconference and one guy was spruiking that the Chinese aren't giving us the true numbers and over 50,000 bodies are being cremated every day to hide the truth. I'm like, the world would know that. It's too hard to hide that sort of stuff. But they are trying to grab headlines with this stuff, and that is scaremongering now. And I think it's building a frenzy, and it's a frenzy into buying shit paper. Shit paper. Uh, unbelievable. What do you think of the wine? Yeah, good, man. Right. It's not going to yeah, be as good as mine. Good wine. No, that's all right. I'm, I've changed. I'm a changed man, Chris. So I don't compete anymore. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, good wine. I've had an epiphany last two weeks. I've had a great two weeks. I've changed. I've What's changed. the epiphany? Tell me. If I could label it, I would, but something clicked in me a week and a half ago. I'm not sure what it was, but I'd been sort of treading water a bit. I felt like I'd plateaued in my progress in life and progress in self and progress in everything, and something clicked about a week and a half ago. A few ideas popped into my head, and those ideas have just morphed into an unbelievable week and a half of life and work and business and progress and growth, and I feel like I'm back on the path that I was on a while ago. If I hadn't stopped dead, I'd regressed a little bit in uh, who I was and what I was doing and how I was running the business and all sorts of things. But something happened eight or nine days ago. I don't know. But so did you have time to assess? Like, did you take a, take a day to yourself to assess life? 
Oh, there was, it just or? started with one idea. I had one idea about work and it was it was a simple thing that I wasn't spending enough time with the staff and I just something started chewing away at me. I don't know where it came from or what it what had happened and that turned into thoughts about lots of different things and, and a, and a realisation about where things were actually at in business where we were about to hit chaos, which had been coming and we didn't realise just because of the two offices opening and the lack of structure, which we spoke about in our podcast on culture. I listened back to that and went, ah, oh, fuck. And that was after I'd already had these yeah, right. mini epiphanies in my head and it's just snowballed into something that's really positive at the moment. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, it was. It felt like something I'd been butting my head against a wall for a few months. I wasn't really going anywhere. I wasn't really happy with who I was. I didn't feel like I was moving forward at the the rate I wanted to be moving forward at. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a week and a half of. That's all gelled. It's all gelled at one time. Oh, just it's kicked Perfect. off again. I think sometimes when you're feeling pain, you're on the edge of growth, and I just yep. feel like I've gone to another level in the last week and a yeah, half. Yeah, good stuff. Gonna fucking tell us what it is. He doesn't what? know. I don't know what the exact thing is, so no, now just, I feel... Just, just tell us but if you... Like management side of things, oh, okay. I realise... Tell us what happened, at least. I mean, <laughs> no, well, management, I had that thought that I wasn't spending enough time with the staff, and then I had a look at our actual business, and I'm like, we're actually in chaos, because when we opened the second office, I sat here and I said, oh, I used the word hope about 17 times, the culture we'd built was going to sustain us and we'd be okay, and you know, T.L. was saying about procedures and this and that, and whatever, what does he know? <laughs> <laughs> And about three days after I had that thought, I got a phone call from a mate. Over that weekend, I sat in with myself and said, righto, what do I need to do here? Or I need to go back to being present in both offices enough. I need to go back to having lunches with the staff, which I'd stopped doing amid the chaos. I need to go back to reconnecting with everyone as a human being because I felt I'd lost that, especially with some of the younger guys. I don't know if I ever had it with some of the younger guys. And two days after I was having these thoughts, my mate rang me and said, oh, just want to let you know, but one of your staffs just contacted me asking for a job. And it was as an electrician apprentice. It had nothing to do with real estate. But I went, yeah. And instead of old me going, oh, fuck him and, and getting cranky, I'm like, don't blame him. Yep. Because all they'd had for a good six to eight weeks, one new office had opened, they'd been pretty much left on their own because yep. with all appointments and different things, they didn't have a leader around them constantly or even at all. When they did see us, they were getting yelled at because their numbers were shit. They were playing up. They were breaking culture. They were doing different things. We went through a stage where I think three or four sales meetings in a row were extremely negative. It was, I've only got you for half an hour. I'm probably not going to see you for the rest of the week, so I'm going to make sure I lay the boot in because you need it. And I thought, why wouldn't fucking people be looking for another job? They've had nothing but shit from me and us as a leadership group in our office for a few weeks now, and it's not fun. We'd lost the fun wasn't intentional and, and what it was is a lack of systems and processes in how we were going to actually manage two offices with the, the staff levels that we have. We hadn't put any thought into it. Yeah, It was just uh, we'll, we'll open the doors and we'll flap like hell and see what happens and hope it all falls into place and I know in that, that same weekend I listened to our bloody podcast on culture where I said all this shit about I'm going to overcome it by I'm going to be present I'm going to do this I'm going to do that. I hadn't done any of it yeah. even if it was going to work I hadn't yeah. done it. And I actually woke up at bloody, like I got out of bed. I usually use Thomas's voice to go to sleep because it's boring as batshit. But I had to get out of bed and I sat with myself for a couple of hours in the lounge room going, well, what the fuck have we been doing? What, that, what have I been doing? Like I sit here on this microphone and profess to be, well, I don't profess to be anything, but I carry on like I know what I'm talking about. I wasn't doing any of it. And it just brought me back to just by having the thought I've lost my human connection with a lot of people has turned into not in a business sense, just in a human level, what sort of relationships I've got at the moment, what sort of mindsets do I have around certain people and yeah. certain relationships at the moment. And all of that's sort of flipped on a dime and I just I feel amazing about it. The beautiful thing is we just made our first exchange dollar in March since we opened our business, ever. Never made a single dollar in March, ever. So this time of year was always... Well, you mean carry on? Yeah, our business since we opened it has never made a single dollar in March. Ma wow. So you look at our graphs, yeah. big fat zero. I'm not saying, oh, we only made one sale or two, so nothing. Yeah. Nada, nada. So by the end of this week, we'll be on 100 grand. Beautiful. But what that means is instead of sitting there fighting for survival, I can actually sit back and implement some of the systems and processes and, and not take the foot off the pedal by any stretch of the imagination. We're not doing it under the stress of, fuck, it's March again and we haven't. So you can, you can steer the ship instead of stoking the fires to keep it running. Well, we can use this time because we've got four sales calling off this week. We've got five new properties coming on the market this weekend. The market's Beautiful. in a brilliant spot. I can use it. I spent all day yesterday drawing up forms for meetings and stuff, just shit that should have been in place yep. for two and a half years. Amazing forms, by the way. 
<laughs> he could, it was it was time well spent. A lot of trees died in the making of them, but no, so I've had a shift which has been awesome. Just, so it seems to me like your shift, the epiphany is about the fact that we need to be closer to our people. Yeah, it was the epiphany was the fact that I wasn't as close to them as I should yeah, have been. I get, yeah, I, like we sit here and we talk. We know we have to be close to our people. We know we have to treat them like family. I've said to someone here, point blank, why hire someone if you're not going to? The epiphany was, I'm not fucking doing it. This is a question I want to ask you because you've been very close to me yeah. over the last few months. So wouldn't you at least learn that from our relationship and then go, do you know what What he's doing with me after podcasts from sometimes when I'm pissed, he brings me home and then yeah. he gets me to have dinner and make sure I have dinner with him and then he, he sends me off and sometimes I even stay overnight. I mean... Wouldn't you then take that as a lesson and go home and and do that to your team and realize that, hey, I could actually emulate, get them to emulate the same thing? Yeah. I was doing half of it. I just wasn't doing the whole lot. And like I said, I, it's hard to explain the block, but there was some sort of block and it clicked. Yeah, no, but it, it's interesting week. because it's not about you, man. I, there's a lot of people who say a lot of shit on microphone and don't do 90% of it, right? I know that you do a lot of the stuff that you say, so don't remove maybe one or two things that you say that maybe you have forgotten or you've been too busy. Yeah, just didn't realise yeah. I wasn't doing them. So the, the epiphany was, I'm not doing this shit. Not that. Don't be too so too hard on yourself. It's I not think, false. Well, no, it was liberating, mate. I yeah. feel great. And there was, you know, there was one line you used about one of my relationships in particular that I wasn't giving all I should to. Yeah. That was well, what should I do in the same situation? Should which, I just, which which line was that? You said to me Which about, relationship was that? You said to me about someone when I said I've I've lost all hope. Yeah. You said, well, what should I do with all my friends and family? Should I just give up on them too? And oh, I said, no, oh, I you won't. That was not in the podcast. And I, no. Okay, no, that was I something said, that is yeah. that was private that you and I, we spoke outside we spoke, the podcast. Yeah. It's no problem bringing it in the podcast no, now. No, it was no, just cool. a line. It was a line you said <laughs> <laughs> that helped. The, it was, a, it was yeah. a couple of days after I'd already had these. the moons for you. Thoughts and because yeah. he goes, well, he said to me, why aren't you doing it when you've been hanging around me? And I said, oh, because your mentality is obviously a lot stronger and a lot better than mine, which I went, well, hang on, fuck it, just do it. And it was almost instantaneous in that instance that the whole thought process changed. Changed. So, you don't look as flustered as you usually do. You look a little bit Oh, I'm just moving forward, mate. It, relaxed, it's amazing so that there's a line that says action diminishes all negative emotions. And there's action and then there's action. There's being busy and yep. then there's actually being productive. Yep. Well, yep. I've always been busy. Yep. But a lot of the time busy is putting energy on the wrong things and focusing in the wrong direction where it was amazing how uh, liberated I felt yesterday when I'd come out of the day with two forms that are going to control meetings from now on because that's just a huge part of angst that was going on in our business is now completely removed just by doing something. So so it's positive action removing all the yeah, shit. Yeah, if you had to see me before the two-hour drive, I was even less flustered because I'm like, man. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's not like me. We lost another staff member last week. I let someone else go. And it's not like me to be, yeah, cool. Let's work. I don't blame him for what he's done and we just make sure that we're looking after the people the best we can. And Yeah. So but talking about some of these people who are leaving us, like sometimes it's our fault, sometimes it's not our fault. But the best thing is to take responsibility for the departure because then we can improve and do something mm -hmm. about that, right, and stop that. Let's talk a little bit about this because over the last two weeks I've been talking to offices who've had a number of departure. Mm -hmm. Where is the problem? Because I had a leader who say, oh, well, you know, he's gone. <laughs> it's his problem. He wasn't doing much anyway. And I said to the leader, if you think like this, mate, there's no hope. All that you're going to do is to repeat it because the next person is going to come by you not realizing that you're, it takes two to tango, you're going to keep on doing your own same shit. Then that person will be leaving one of these days again, and then you're going to have to find another, oh, you know, it wasn't worth spending that money on the guy anyway. What is it that we need to improve? You said it before, we have to take our own ownership, have to work out what we could have done better. And we can't look at the other person, what they could have done better. It's what we could have done better because we can control us. We can't control them. So only us we need to see what we could do better, number one. Number two, that person needs to improve their leadership. And a lot of the leadership lessons they've been receiving a lot of, along the way. And those are like the things that Cam's just said about having the lunches, having the dinners, having them at your home and, and improving that Wisebury family. So your family's not going to walk out you on that, that easy. If times get tough, if things aren't, aren't right, they'll come to you and have a chat. Mine was simpler than that, mate. It was being in the office. Like I'd, Straight away when I had that thought, I came down and sat down with our leadership group and completely restructured 
my timetable. So now that I'm two and a half days in each office, regardless, and set times and set, yes, dinners, lunches, all that stuff, but starts, you've got to be around work. In our office, we have guys that have been in the industry for three months in there on their own, just the two of them, and we're up them for talking too much and not not doing their numbers. Like, How old are they? 19. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> mate. Yeah. And then all they've caught from us for four weeks is, I can do your work, and we're not going to tolerate your bloody misbehaviour, and we're not going to tolerate this and that, and just... They don't, need, they don't need daddy or mummy, mate. They no, stay home happily for yeah, that. Yeah, oh, fuck, why wouldn't you go and look? They just finished school. They don't need another no. one. Why wouldn't you go and look elsewhere, mate? So regardless of whether they're the right people or the wrong people to begin with, I realised again too late. Well, the guy that left probably was going down the wrong path anyway, but that's not the point. Yeah. The point is how did it get to a point where he's looking for other work anyway? Yeah. And that's 100% on us, mate. So yeah. now structure's in place. I think the key is to make people belong. We are in a small business, after all. If people don't feel like they belong, they're going to go. Not this Friday, but the uh, Friday prior, I had a team where the leaders almost had a mass walkout. Yeah. And so they were having troubles. Their sales team and even their office manager were really frustrated because they felt that their leaders didn't listen. I did very simple thing. These leaders thought, oh, well, it was simple. But they never understood. It took me four days to think about it and set it up. And the first thing I did was I got everyone to write on a piece of paper all the angst and email it to me. I'm sorry, before that, I had a phone conversation with every team member. And then I got them to write it all down. And as they sent it to me, I called them for a team meeting. When I did the team meeting, the number one rule I made sure we had for them was everyone had equal talk time. So I got everyone to express and say what they had in terms of angst and nobody was allowed to even interrupt. Once they had finished, then I allowed them to have a session where they could talk about things. And within two hours, it was all gone. The team was back to normal. Why? Because people need to know that their opinion can be heard. So you have to just do that. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to follow them. But people these days are working around us because they want something more meaningful than work. They want to know that their voice is heard. So when they go to work and they can't see you, they're not even part of what you're doing, how do they know they're part of a bigger picture? Yeah, good point. Yeah. Just this morning with the team, we're fortunate enough to have rebuilding and still rebuilding a new team. I've said to the team, I've said, I mean, I've asked them, what do you envision for Wisebury, for, for the office? What's your vision of in 12 months, two years, five years? What's your vision? Let everyone have their say. And I said, right now, next week, how about you write down your vision and everyone shares it next week. And we share our vision and maybe we'll create a unified vision for the whole team. So we have that buy-in. We have that, that ownership good. with everyone. That is good. I read a book recently and I'll, that's what I got it from this. Uh, it was a book or a podcast I listened to. And one of the leaders... Wine and Wisdom. It might be a Wine of Wisdom podcast. It may have been. He sent his entire team an email. It was two lines. First line was, tell me what you want me to continue doing and tell me what you want me to stop doing. To so his entire team. He goes, he got that much feedback, both negative and positive, that he can now alter his leadership style to each individual because he knows what's working well and maybe what's not working so good. It's a fantastic podcast. <laughs> no, I was talking to uh, Ray Dalio, a billionaire who's actually a mentor to a lot of other billionaires. He actually started in the late 70s, a company where he had every meeting recorded, every single meeting recorded. And every meeting, people were gauging each other's speech. So if you were talking, Chris, for example, I'd have a button and I'd give you from 1 to 10 my score. And everything was recorded. So he knew, all right, when Chris was talking, Thomas gave Chris talk on hard work 7 out of 10. Cam did 6. And then when they were talking about coronavirus, this is what he gave Thomas. So all of these things were then put in a computer. Right. So in the late 1970s, you, right, you, right, so right. you have to think about this. And then the computer was doing a bit of AI work already yep. and predicting after a while when data was entered into the machine as well in terms of outcome, who tend to have more accurate opinion about certain subjects. He doesn't call it 360 kind of feedback, but it's way more than 360. You've got real live data coming back about what everyone's thinking. And so when you... Asking someone, what is it you want me to do more of and what is it you want me to stop? 
you asking them their opinion so that you can build something that is a common vision. Beautiful. And I think that that's the business of the future. You and I, we were talking just before big man here entered the room about the workforce of the past. They don't have the same values as today's workforce. Absolutely not. The workforce of the past, if they were to work 12 hours a day, they'd be going, something's wrong, right? I'm going to be fired. Today, the workforce of today, they want to know as they come to the interview, what am I going to be next year? What title do I give? And so you have to be approaching them very differently. You're going to have to talk to them in a much bigger picture. Look at it this way. Most of these people of today's workforce, they come from parents who are what? Mainly Generation X or the old Y. Okay? I believe that the X are the most stupid generation on the planet. Right? I belong to it, so I know. We look after our parents and we look after our kids. They never leave home. So we've got two generations quite often leeching on us on, from both sides. Yeah, right. yeah? You buy toilet paper. And <laughs> yes, I, I, I actually do. I bet do. you if we went through. I actually do. Man, I've got, I've got a few millennials working for me. I've got, I've got all of our uh, cameras now in the toilet. <laughs> oh. <to laughs> making sure they're not, stealing, they're not stealing our toilet roll. No, that's not true. So when you understand it, then you have to work with this. Like today's workforce. They have to know that as a boss, you will be okay if they have some life circumstance that force you to be a bit more lenient. You take, for example, a single mother who's now trying to look after two kids. She needs to know that she's working for a company that is okay that at three o'clock she takes off and goes and look after them twice a week because she can't really pay and have them in, was it long, long term? Okay, yeah. yeah. Until six or seven. If you can't understand it, you're going to lose her. And then what do you do? Sit down and, and look for another person? No, today you're going to have to be way more flexible with the workforce. The business of today has to evolve. It has to evolve. And unfortunately, a lot of our owners are stuck 25 years ago, 30 years ago, in the businesses that they were brought up in. And they don't know, what is it now? We've got millennials. Millennials want everything now. But that's not their fault. They've been brought up in a society where everything is available now. Don't pay for it. You've got 24 months interest-free to pay for it. Take the TV home. Start paying in 24 months. Yes, it cost you a fortune back then. But it's a, a society of have it now. They don't want to wait for anything. But that's cool. Now let's work ourselves with them, getting them to understand how things work now, what you have to do to get it now, and re-educate these people. Not be fighting against them, but learning from them about how to help them. And I think we have to evolve that way. There's a disconnect between the old and the new, definitely. But what I think sometimes gets missed out when we talk about the new way is that people still sit down in front of you as an employer and tell you they've got goals and they want houses and they want cars and they want holidays and they want this and they want that and they want to take on the world. Those people still need to understand that their actions have to match those goals. While you can make work as comfortable as possible for someone and let them go home whenever they want because that's the new way... They can't have their houses, cars, holidays and take on the world doing that. A, and I yeah, think but they don't understand it, mate, because when they were younger, That's right. they went to school, right, hoping to win the blue ribbon and when they lost, they still got a participation mm. medal or yeah. ribbon, yeah. right? Therefore, what was working for them at school? How come it's no longer working in the workforce? Mm. But when you tell them that, you're the worst person in the world. We spend a lot of time and we've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about leaders looking after their staff better and treating everyone like family and rewarding people for we've talked you know sending people home if they get a result and, and all that sort of stuff that's well and good but if that doesn't match people's expectations they then have to realize that you might have to work a bit harder you right. might have to occasionally come in on a day off if you're not meeting target you might occasionally have to stay back till seven o'clock at night if you're not doing what you said you were going to do in the first place and that's where we've got to combine the two because Oh, I don't even think that's old school mentality. That's just success mentality. It, it, you're right, but I, I think... Uh, but don't tell them. We don't need yeah. everyone to be successful, man. <laughs> <laughs> we need to show them and not just tell and ask them and tell them what you're going to do. And I'm not saying that you don't work hard. I mean, a lot of the guys in the franchise work long hours. What I'm saying is we can't blame these guys for their mindset because that's how they've been brought up in the last 15 to 20 years. We've got to sit down with them and, and walk them through this process and, guys, you know what? You want that car, all right? How are you going to achieve that? Or you want that holiday? What are you going to do to get there? And work with them. We were saying before about having these people to your house. Do you think if you're going to have them over to your house and break bread with them and share a beer and so forth, that these kids aren't going to listen to you? They don't. I don't because know. Because people want – this is the thing, mate. 
people. They want everything at once. So we take people into our house. We break bread with them. They also see me work my fucking ring off. Right? I think you're going to get that so with whatever generation. Yeah, though. but that's that's where what I'm saying is there needs to be more education around. The look you get when you dare suggest, oh, mate, you had four days off last week because you weren't well, you've fallen a bit behind on the goals that you set. Yeah. Maybe you don't need Thursday off. Maybe you could use it to... I think that How if, dare you suggest? I think if you had to start telling people, you got the wrong people. Yeah, yeah. But that's Many podcasts ago, recruiting, recruiting we did a line that said, better people. Make people. better all blacks. That's right, yeah. make better all blacks. And that's the thing. If we are not going to go after better people, yes, we're going to have to do all this shit. I'm sorry, man. If you are giving people privileges, such as I'm going to be relaxed, like you want to go and watch your child run the cross-country, Okay, make up for it some other way. But if, if you don't get that, then I have to tell you, I've got the wrong person, mate. That person should be out because that person is never going to be a win-win kind of person. Absolutely. No, yeah, you confuse the shit out of everyone at Kickstarter. I think we've already spoken about this where on day one you said, if you've got to tell people that, or if you're telling people that they have to do 50 calls a day and this and that, you're a bad leader and no one should ever work for you and... I, I, for one, and a few people around me sitting there going, it's all we've been told to do for the last... But day two, it became clear that the point was you shouldn't have to ask people or tell people or yell at people for not doing 50 calls because they should be doing it anyway. So it's having the right people. But a lot of people think they're the right person, and when you say to them, no, look, the right person does this. I never tell... Like, I never expect anyone... My first 18 months, I barely had a day off because... And the reason was, if I wasn't at work, I was going to be sitting at home playing a PlayStation it's or watching TV. So my thought was, I could, go to, came. I could go to work and try and make money, yeah. or I could sit at home and watch TV. And sometimes I watched TV and sometimes I didn't. What I'm seeing now is, though, that's a completely different mindset to shit. I'm behind target, I'm behind the target I set. I've got no commission on the board. I'm still having my day off. That's a completely different. I went because make $30,000 today or watch Judge Judy. I was fortunate enough to be a lot of times not sitting there at the end of the month behind target, that sort of thing. But even people have got to decide, do they want their goal? Do they want to stay in a small house that they're renting and, and struggle? Or do they Some want people are comfortable with that. And again, you know, it's, it's their drive. The pain's not great enough or the pleasure's not fantastic enough. Either way. What if people want both? I want a nice house, I want all these things, but I also want a nice quality of life. I don't want to work that hard because, you know, okay. I've received everything from mum and dad. Marry someone, Rich. They all want both. That's the problem yeah. at the moment. Yeah. They, no, they all want yeah. both. I won't say all, Cam. I think we're putting everyone into the one basket. Oh, a lot general. of them. A lot generalised, yeah. I've, we've found some really good gems of late. Some young people, some really good gems and willing to work for it. So I, I won't say all, but I understand what you're saying. So you found some good people. <laughs> yeah, but good people find good people. Oh, that's right. So what are you saying about Cam? <laughs> Mate, Maybe that's the epiphany you need to have. <laughs> no, I love my guys, but today one of the things I was proud of is in this change that I've had in the last week and a half, it occurred to me that there's been people in the office since day one asking for two days off in a row. Our structure is split days off. There's no way the business can work with everybody getting two days off in a row. For some reason it's taken two and a half years, but yesterday I came to the conclusion that you know what, what if we rostered on a cycle, everyone having Sunday, Monday off once a month or once every five weeks, depending on the staff. So yep. you're going to get 10 to 12 weekends a year. And I thought, I'll be stoked with that. I'll be happy with that. Brought it into the sales meeting today. Guess what, guys? It was like giving my 13-year-old a Christmas present, mate. Ripped open the packet and went, oh, what's next? We had people already whinging about, what happens if it's on a public holiday? Do I still get my day off during the week? And people whinging about, oh, mate. I said, if it's going to turn into a shit fight, just forget I said anything and you can keep your... Just keep it as it is, yeah, yeah. Because I've just tried to give guys 10 weekends a year when they would have had none and it's turned into a... But, oh, mate. So people want it all and sometimes no matter what you do and then it comes back to, well, who, who are we dealing with? Those who want it both either have to marry a rich person or win the bloody lotto. As simple as that. You can't have it both. Not do anything and have everything that you want. It doesn't it just doesn't work that way. What do you say, Thomas? You can't sit in the closet in the lotus position going on, wishing yourself into a, a fortune because it's all you're going to die is starvation, right? The way I, I look at it is a very long time ago, I learned that the only place where you become successful without hard work is in the dictionary, <laughs> right? Because back in those days, the dictionary had all the names of the famous people who are, by the way, dead. 
So maybe hard work is the right thing, but it's also a culture thing. Like today, the uh, podcast of my twins have come out. And I know the hard work it is kids to go through. You know, I know the dedication, the 14 hours of tennis, getting home at seven. And then you have 15 minutes to prepare for the table and then eating and then sometimes having to do homework. And it's late, you know. After the podcast, I think Zara was asking me, Dad, are you ever proud of me? And I felt bad because I thought, no, no, how can I not be proud of you? But no, I've, I haven't told her, you know. Sometimes, too, we need to have a look at what is it that people are doing well around us and maybe congratulate them rather than maybe coming up with the little gimmicks that may be great for us. The, the weekend, long weekend, two days, when for them, if year in, year out, they're coming home with just enough to survive, what is the two-day weekend going to give them? Yeah help them succeed, then they can now have money to enjoy it. But it is true. The, the hard work is about what you do with them. I know for sure the twins, wherever they're going to go in life, hard work is going to be easy for them because hard work next to what dads put them through is going to be easy. Do I blame the parents? You could, but that's what excuse makers do. No, everyone in life can get up their ass, go to work, and then emulate the champions. I have now interviewed quite a few champions, not even, even outside these podcasts. And they all have one thing in common, those bastards. All those champions are hardworking people. They don't sit there and demand, can you look after me because I have a different lifestyle that needs requirement? Fuck that. They go to work, they make things happen, and then if they're lucky, they can ask for those things. Well, they can take those things because they've done the work. They've earned them, yeah. Two points on that. Number one, do you think the kids of today and tomorrow are learning the ethic of hard work from their parents? So do you think then that the work ethic of today's people, the millennials coming through, are learning that work ethic from the parents? Uh, yeah, I absolutely believe in that. I think that if parents really start grooming their kids that way, the, the kids have got a chance. And something else you said earlier about and going back to the leadership things, is it then maybe a shortcoming in our leadership being able to extract the best from these people? Whether they've, if they've got the work ethic, but maybe not being able to build the picture for them or sell it to them or... Now, it sounds like I'm going to make an excuse now for the generation X or Y, but the baby boomers were what we call the selfish generations. Huh? That was right after the war, they were born, so they, they grew up in, in a world of abundance when the world had to be rebuilt. So there was business and contracts for everyone. So they were making a matza and they were spending on themselves. They couldn't give a shit about the children. If the children had a ball to play in the, in the, on the football field or in the courtyard, that was fine. A lot of the Generation X, as they grew old, I think, I take it for myself, we wanted to have something like the family. Well, you know, So we start looking after the the kids, that was the generation we had had to struggle a little bit more because abundance was getting lesser. We tried to compensate what we didn't get from our parents who were thinking about themselves by thinking about our own kids. Mm -hmm. We were trying to kill selfishness that way. And so we kind of spoiled the following generations. I mean, you have a look at it this way, man. Look at all the gifts we are giving our kids right now, all three of us. I don't give a shit what it is. I guarantee you they are fucking 10 times, if not 100 times more expensive than the best fucking gift we got in our younger days. Yep. All right? So I rest my case. But they don't realize that. For them, getting an iPhone now, it's like, yeah, that, that's a normal thing. You didn't get me an iPhone. It just got out. You didn't get one for me for Christmas. Mate, they're fucking looking at you as if like you're a fucking prick. <laughs> right? And so we have done something wrong there. We have created this kind of generations. And so we can't really blame them. They are now going back to the selfish generation. Yeah, yeah, right. But for a parent to be able to give their kid absolutely everything, they have to have worked bloody hard. Because, as you said, the fucking iPhones aren't cheap. You know, you get the kids whose parents have got $30 million. How do you think your parents got $30 million? They probably went to work for it, yeah? So there's still... Yes, the parents are giving them everything, but at the same time, they've had to work bloody hard. My folks did everything they could to give everything to us that they could. Yeah. But I also credit them with my work ethic because I saw how bloody hard they worked and to th get it. So Same here, and we've had that talk, Thomas, about his upbringing, absolutely. 
both parents work their yeah. their rings off. So that But the opposite also it can be true. I've seen parents who work their bum off and then the kids have grown up being not only selfish Entitled. But also not in, only entitled, but also resentful of the fact that the parents mm. were never there for them emotionally. Mm. So now they're using the material return as a compensation for the time that they've lost. Right. It's almost like I've I've seen kids who go on holiday year in year out with their parents. They paid fuck all, mate. Asking those kids to shout their father a drink. That's <laughs> that's like uh, the moon. Now it's become mm. the sun. <laughs> You yeah. know, so it won't happen. Do you know why? And deep inside, I can almost see that on their face. It's almost like that's what I will now do to you for those years where that you were not around me. Yeah, so what's right. a parent to do? You don't spend enough time or give your kids everything they hate you and you give them everything they hate you. <laughs> what do you do? Not hate. Hate's the wrong word, but. No. So, so one of the things that you have to realize is not about giving everything or not giving. It's a journey of being around them. Yeah, it's the time that you give. Not what you give during that time. It's what you do with them, yeah. you know. And I think it, that is very important. When you listen to the podcast with the twins, you will hear them telling you that there's been competition when they won, and they come back, and I'm not happy, and I'm setting them back on the court and do so another hour of practice because I wasn't happy with their performance because they did not give 100. So, what's the virtue or what's the lesson that come out of it? They know any time that we get on court, give 100. Otherwise, well. There's only two things, fear of pain mm-hmm. or the gain of pleasure. pleasure. So the gain of pleasure is that we, we will have that one out to do what we want or we're going to have one out to give that. And so, yes, you have to do some of these things. But look at, it's maybe not my generation, but the number of parents when Alexander and Charlotte went to school, when the fucking parents are walking to school demanding some explanation for teachers for t- telling them off, the kids off, or giving them punishment? Fuck that! <laughs> Man, back in my days, I, I was hit with a ruler on my fingers. Yep. If I hadn't studied my lesson, that was my fault. And I didn't turn out so bad. Yeah, so a lot of the time it's a shielding of the kids from adversity. Yeah, and I think that's wrong. They're building that resilience and the understanding that trying not to have our children as entitled, and I think we've had this conversation before, but being careful not to create entitled children and then to have our children turn around and say, I'm not shouting your beer after you've taken to the other side of the world. That's unbelievable. I mean, and hopefully spending that time and making an effort to spend the time with the children and getting to know them on one-on-one, it's, it's the most important thing. Oh, you have to teach generosity. So let's have a look at this next wine here. Another one from Scarborough. Shiraz 2014, so we're going back to the Hunter Valley. So let's try this, boys. Those of you who don't understand Scarborough and Jeremy and the podcast, well, you can go and listen it every single time that I go to Scarborough in uh, the Hunter Valley. I'm never, never walking away unhappy. It's actually a great experience every single time. So cheers, cheers, boys. Let's try this one here. Thank you. No, so we're talking about the age of entitlement. The other day I had to go out with some young kid who uh, now run their own office. And I had to tell him, make sure that you shout that dude a lunch after he's gone to the appointment with you. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. But I thought I had to tell him because they don't know this shit. You know, they come from the generation where dad's paying for everything or mom's paying for everything. So when they go out in the business world, sitting down with someone and thanking them for their time, how do we do that? <laughs> so it's almost, you see it, I, I love some of those meetings where you sit there and you watch them and you watch things happen. I was talking to another leader and who said, you know, Thomas, I'm not, I'm not used to you paying this because in my office, my staff always want me to pay for things. You ever seen that too? That's, that's a different level of entitlement. I have worked with employees who've never actually shouted me even a drink in all the years they've been around. Wow. But you know what? They're the one who've lost because once I have read your mind and I know exactly your style, I know whether you are part of the good people that will make better all blacks or just, you just scaffold. Do it for yourself. Yeah. Scaffold. Yeah. I've never had a problem taking anyone for a beer because there's beer attached to it. So, oh, you turned up to work. Let's have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> but when do you go? When you go do you, and you take your staff out to dinner, it's a lunch, mm. are you usually paying or are they usually paying? No, I pay. Did the staff take you to lunch? No. Never? No, my guys are bored. They buy coffees. They're good at buying coffees. But, um, is that usually a punishment, though, for not doing something? No, no, or? no. 
No, it's a, it's a, it's common human decency. If you're walking into the coffee shop and you see someone walk past, say, "Do you want a coffee?" Which we're, we're pretty bloody good at. Yeah, Have they ever offered to shout me lunch? No. Okay. Oh, I have the, a feeling it, it, that's about to change. Listen, I, I, I come from Bel- <laughs> I come from Belgium, so I don't understand this. But is that a, a kind of mentality we have here that where bosses pay? Yes. No. Oh, well, okay. I don't. Sorry. It's Maybe pretty you. Aussie. It's pretty Aussie. The boss is taking me out for lunch. It's, it's so if the boss asks me out to lunch, I'm expecting the boss to pay for lunch. But if I say to the boss, "Let's go grab up some lunch," often I'll pay. Oh, I think yeah. So I think the culture is whoever asks, whoever does the inviting. And like when we go, when we do the leadership seminars, I always try try and take Rob out to lunch or to dinner to thank him for taking me away. You take him out for lunch. To dinner, to dinner. I try to take him in the family out, yeah, to say thank you. I'll clarify mine a bit too. I generally refuse. It's not that my staff wouldn't pay for themselves if I didn't offer, but I always just say I'll get it. So but it's not about. So if you're asking so I'm not, them, I don't want. If they're listening to this, I'm not 100 percent not saying they expect me to pay for lunch. It's we go out for lunch. I go, I'll get it. And I'd, I feel part of. Being part a of a thank you. That it's part of a thank you. Yeah, it's part of a thank you for the hours. Know. They put in long hours and they, you know, they have to put up with your shit to start. They got split days off all so. year, mate. They need a lunch every <laughs> now. And I mean, really, to go further, you know, uh, back to our hard work thing uh, um, theme for the day. I believe that hard work is the key to finding the best in yourself. Do you know, I, I truly believe that whatever activity you engage in. It is only that level, that minute, the moment that you cross that level of comfort and you go into a world that is so out of comfort zone that you're starting to know your boundaries, your capability, your, your resilience, you know? And I think hard work helps you discover your real self. In that though, Thomas, do you think people are working hard at the wrong thing sometimes? Instead of working harder on themselves to be a better version in fact, than to make their life a little bit easier. Next time they get a listing appointment or next time they're list- dealing with a, a staff member, yeah. instead of working harder on themselves, they're working harder within the business and it's maybe the wrong focus? Yeah, there's, or there's different focus at different stage of life. Okay. Like I have a mate of mine who's just said to me lately, maybe you should get a share of that business because that's always been a business you wanted, Thomas, and you know, easily that could give you income. And I sort of laughed at that uh, email he sent me because I'm not at a stage in my life where I'm going to be content sitting in front of one owner and making him happy. I'm at a stage in life where I want to come in touch with someone and change their entire life, change their entire family life for the better, you know. And so for me, that gives me a different buzz. And so this research or the search of my better self, if you will, comes through the hard work that I put in that field. You know, the amount of money, how much more do you need before you really say you're safe? If you're an unsafe bastard, a million dollars, a trillion dollars more is going to make you fucking safer? No way. So it's always about if you can't be safe with zero dollars, you can't be safe with a billion. And okay, you don't have to talk for me, I don't have a billion. So Mm. all right, let's, let's talk at different level. But it's not about money. But you take a guy who has learned to be happy with himself, who has learned to give so much of himself in the, the field that he wants. To answer your question, first find the field you really love. Yeah. Right? And then you search for your best self. I don't think work and business and working on yourself are separate things, mate. I think the day where you look up at the board and go, shit, on behind target, I should put in some extra whatever, that's personal growth. That's a win. And until you do that, you won't get outside that comfort zone. It's a decision that someone's got to make at some point in time. So I don't think the two are mutually excu- exclusive, mate. Yep. I, yep. I get what you're saying about should they be reading books or, or doing extra calls. It, it depends on what you want in life for one, but that is in itself a form of ex- of growth because you know what happens? They do that, go that extra step or that extra mile, whatever you want to call it, they get a result from that. All of a sudden, oh shit! And they're on a whole other plane of mentality and mindset where this might be what has to happen. But do you think those people that would be working on themselves that little bit more, instead of going home and cracking a beer and sitting in front of the television or doing whatever, maybe reading or whatever they do, 
would maybe then get two results when they put their mind to it. Well, you've got to start with one. Yeah, you've got to start with one. Obviously, the more you do, it, the universe is a beautiful place. Whatever you put out, you get back. It was, I think it, it was Brian Tracy <laughs> said, work harder on yourself than you do in your job oh, well. and you'll always have a, a fantastic life. Yeah, and that's something we learn about as leaders. 100%. But just the mindset to go, I need to do a little bit more, doing that, taking that step is a personal growth moment is what I'm... Not necessarily... I, I, it this is. is. Oh, okay, I've had people, I've worked with people, were hard work, or are hard workers, are hard work. But their growth as a person, stagnant. So that's different, but they're at a different level to someone who needs to take a step of maybe I need to work a bit harder. Work ethic is something I've never struggled with, Yeah, right? Yeah. Doing extras, whether it was footy, sport. Whatever. The only thing it wasn't was school, but... <laughs> you and me both. Doing extras and that mindset of you only get out what you put in and nothing worth having was easy and all that stuff, that has never been a problem. Yeah. So for me, I'm in that bucket that you're talking about where if you've already got the work ethic, yes, you've got to go and work on different things. You've always got to be working on yourself, but... I don't think you can separate someone who says, shit, I'm going to stay back today and do a couple of extra hours because I need a result. That is personal growth. No, I understand that. But what I'm saying is there's some people that are, there are hard workers, but they don't believe they need to get better. Everyone needs growth, but everyone's at different stages. So they've got to start somewhere. You know, someone gets a bit more results, they start making a bit more money, they get more and then they go, shit, what's my next challenge? Where do I need to grow further? Yeah. What books do I uh, need to pick I, I, up now? Yeah, to me, I think that, you know, these, that is probably a subject for another podcast. Yeah, I think it's right. a great podcast. I think that maybe the uh, optimum level of contentment is to be happy with the person you are rather than trying to run for that elusive affection of a personhood that you're after. Maybe to answer your question, it is possible to work very hard and not having to really improve yourself if you have accepted that to be content with that self. Yeah, right. yeah. Unfortunately, we, all three of us, are working in a world where we are dealing with people. And so because we work in that field of people, to be content with who we are means that the exploration of our own self has a limit. And that means that we also are incapable of exploring the personhood of people who are way better than us. In that respect, in order to lead others, we have to be better leaders than them because we have to be worthy leaders for followers to follow. And so in our little world, the thirst for knowledge of self is imperative. We can never stop. Yeah, very well said, mate. It's very well said. I don't fucking know I did that, but I, <laughs> I, say, I put it on the wine. Um, saying home somewhere. That's good. Uh, it sort of explains things very well. Very good. Why don't we just try the third wine, brothers? We're a bit oh. slow today, understand? Slow I don't know it. what's going right. on. So we Maybe we're going to have to get Thompson's back in here. Because uh, <laughs> Have you been to his place, no. Stephen Thompson? Holy shit, he's got more wines than bricks around his house. My invite's in the mail. Is that your invite? No, oh, I see, I see. No, so got invites, got yours. I, I got, uh, apparently I'm, I'm invited too. No? Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I believe All your right. wives both got invites, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, cheers. Someone has to drive. So. No, it'll be a good day. Someone has to tell them what wine to take. You, know? you should see his barbecue, man. The barbecue is a huge machine. Which, awesome. by the way, uh, I had something I had to do with Weber. Man, they're beautiful people. Oh, yeah, good yeah, stuff. That's why I love barbecuing with Weber's. Nothing Cha-ching. is too much cash asking. cash for comment, mate. Nothing is too much asking. Did you what just get another free fucking barbecue? Or what? <laughs> no, so, there no, better no, be no, three no, of the no. fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I received from my in-laws a, a trolley for my uh, Weber Q in, in the mountains. Yeah, okay. And um, but it was the wrong one. Right. So I have no receipt. They gave it to me in around Christmas. I only had the opportunity to go up the mountain last weekend. So no receipt, nothing at all, mate. It was a cinch. Two emails. They even called me back. All done. We're gonna send you a label. Send it back, and we refund your money. You can go and buy something else. Wow. How crazy is beautiful. This? I think the level of service of customer service generally, what well, a lot of businesses has increased considerably. Only the best brands, mate. I, I mean, That's I, why they're the best. Brands. I've been with Optus for a long time, and not for any reason, not for any. Because you're I too had cheap a, to pay for Telstra. I had an well. issue the other day, and I've <laughs> called up, and can I tell you, 
that the level of service in the last 12 months has blew my mind, the level of service that I got. So I think that's probably another good podcast as well and maybe future on talking about customer excellence and, and so forth. But look, the bottle of wine I've got is um, also from Adelaide. Yeah, um, I was going to say. It is, uh, it's uh, actually from an area in Adelaide called the Clare Valley, which is almost like Adelaide's Hunter Valley. It's all where all the wineries yep. are and so forth. It's not an old winery, the one I've got. It's called Annie's Lane. It opened in 86, a uh, family winery, and they sold out about 10 or 12 years later to a larger winery. But the larger winery didn't rebrand it. They said it was quite a good winery and kept it um, going as it was. We've got a Cab Merlot, and it's a 2014. Should be a good drop. It should be a nice drop. So hopefully, and Cam's already fucking got his comment ready. <laughs> Mate, I am impressed. You have finally taken the comments to heart. <laughs> Not <laughs> only have you brought... Probably a half decent one. You researched the fucking thing. Hey, hey, hey. Well done, mate. You've changed. Last time I beat your ass. I just gave you a compliment. I beat your ass last time. Take the compliment, Chris. (laughs) Take the compliment. No, my like the fucking wine's going to be shit, so we'll find out. Uh, It's not knowing your luck. It's got some nice colour into it, that's for sure. It's fine, man. Listen, I wanted to say, when you do come to my house that weekend, mate, please don't bring any wine. It's okay. <laughs> we'll be fine. I'll supply, all right? You know, yeah. I've got a bottle of 2008 uh, Semillon, which is <laughs> shit. So. If it's, yeah, if it's coming from the garage, <laughs> do not provide the wine. Here we go. This has <laughs> made its way in the podcast. Jeez, boys. <laughs> Jeez, gosh, you fucking asshole. No, please, mate. I don't want to put you out. You don't have to bring any. Ooh, that is impressive. Oh, that is good. A few more tannins than the. Uh, it's actually yeah, more, more depth, yeah, more depth. Sure. Really nice. Okay, shit, you've got one week in, man. You've you got it this week. Can you just shut up? You just jinx us, you bastard. About what? About him and his wine. He's he's done well, no, man. That's good. It's about time he put some <laughs> fucking effort in. I buy me a big red oil. dog. Seriously, no, I'm I'm a hundred percent serious, mate. You put zero effort in the first forty-seven podcasts. Bullshit. You finally had a go. I'm I happy won the for other you. one. I I'm won happy. the last one too. I'll never get enough but of drinking. But it's good not wine, about mate. competition, right? It's not about winning. <laughs> mine was the best Chardonnay today. How do you clearly. like the bread? <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm not competitive anymore, mate. I've changed. You know, the, it's funny that you were talking about Epiphany uh, earlier. This last week, I had to go to a funeral of someone I knew. I actually got the news of he, about his funeral, and I decided I was going to go and pay my respect. Not because he was a really nice dude, but I, I always felt, not guilty, but felt that I should have been around him a little bit more. His name was Rod Jones. Whenever you go to a funeral, boys, you just sit there and... It's as if the dead is talking back to you and giving you their last lessons before they leave, you know? You always realise, and okay, through all the hard work that you put in, always to make sure that you take the time to smell the roses. I mean, Rod Jones had heart issues from the age of 17 or 16. That's what I learned that day. And he had something like six or seven heart surgeries until this last one. He was only 70 when, when he died about 10 days ago. And so you sit there and, and, and you just realize, hold on, I didn't know that about him, that he said that there was always red wine and more red wine. And, and he loved his food and he loves his drinks, especially his drinks. And when I, I was on his boat with a few friends and my father, because he, he even invited my father, that's how nice the guy was. You know, he, he waited for an, a, a, an occasion when my father came out from Belgium and took us out, all of us, on his boat. I remembered from that funeral... Just make sure you take the time to smell the roses. Mm. So sit down, talk to mates, and, and doing these kind of podcasts with you guys, to me, it's a treasure. It's not just the things that we say. It's really the bond, the friendship, the brotherhood we have that happens after these things. The things that we do, like when we're going to go and thrash his house and eat <laughs> his, his fridge. <laughs> When's the, the helicopter down the Mudgee? That's what I was thinking. Oh, we're waiting for that one too, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. When's the helicopter down the Mudgee? What helicopter? We're waiting for a helicopter company to sponsor. You said the on some one of, one of them, we've got to make sure one of these things we catch a helicopter. Oh, actually, a yes, I, I actually should uh, have a have a look. That's when I said to you, I'll be fucked if I'm getting a helicopter if Scott Matthews is flying it. Remember, <laughs> the last time <laughs> I thought of it, I, I stopped thinking about it because the last time I thought about it, a day later, Kobe happened, and I'm like, oh shit. Oh, okay, I'm whatever happens, you're not in the same helicopter <laughs> as me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get my private jet. 
I've made money in March, mate. We're, we're, loaded. <laughs> we're, we're right, loaded. Let's we're go. Right to go. We're right to go. Yeah, the, so I, and then on this last weekend, I went to the mountains, as I told you, but I also made sure I invited a friend of mine who's got cancer and who's been given about two years ago, two years to live, I mean, a, a year and a half ago, two years to live. So he's got six months to go, but we decided to fight. And so I think through your hard work, the other lesson that I really would like to share with you boys is to find someone who really is struggling with life and go through the journey with them to fight for one more day, to fight for one more week, because that gives you a very different perspective. So we can either wait for epiphanies to happen to us or we can really make things happen by going to a funeral that maybe you shouldn't have been invited, but somehow you got to know about it and therefore you made the effort to go. Or by going out there and finding someone who needs to fight for what's most important in life, not a job, but for their life, and go through the journey with them. Mm. I think that will give you a little bit of perspective between your hard work and the need to slow down and smell the roses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know where to go from there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> for, for myself, look on that. For myself, I've saw I saw my mum had a stroke at the age of fifty-seven. My mum had a major stroke at the age of fifty-seven, and then a slow decline from the age of fifty-seven till seventy-nine when she passed away. Wow. And and talking about work ethic, actually, this is very timely. My mum worked three jobs. My dad worked his full-time job as a carriage painter for State Rail and the weekends painting houses. So I saw my parents work their ass off. You shouldn't have been eating so much. And, <laughs> <laughs> and well, I got my work ethic from my parents. When mum passed away, I said, mum and dad died with, it made a bit of wealth for themselves and they were going to celebrate in their retirement. Mum never, never got to enjoy that. Wow. So I said to myself, Rita and I have had these conversations very frank and open conversations. We will not go down the same path. We will enjoy life as we step up, as we continue through our journey. And it may be the simple thing as a barbecue at a mate's house or a trip to Bali with the family or a trip to Africa like we did. Yep. But we will enjoy the journey as we go along and yep. not wait for it to come. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that we had to judge people. I was talking to oh, a, a friend of mine uh, just four days ago, and she said, you know, I've seen my father work three weeks before he died. He was a builder. Three weeks before he died, he was still working hard. I decided, you know, that I would never do that, that I was going to really enjoy life and a whole lot. And I said, yes, maybe that's good. But also that doesn't mean that we have to judge your own father because maybe to your own father, making the best of his life or whatever is left in him and work to make sure that he could bring bread home to the family, that was way more meaningful to him than in sitting there and mourning and feeling sorry for himself. And also I said to her, secondly, there's people who actually take the time and spend times around uh, sick uh, relatives or, or people who are on the, uh, on the way out. And really they're not. They're freaking spending three hours doing the washing and doing the laundry, doing this. And then they come and talk for five minutes with that person. No, it's okay to learn a lesson. And I will never judge you for the lesson you got out of it because it's a different one to mine. But I think that the last thing you do is because your lesson is different to the uh, the other person that we need to judge the other person. Mm, absolutely, yeah, it's different. I love what I do. Like it stresses me out. It's as different times, and there's a lot goes into it, and and not as good as as you want to be all the time. But I fucking wouldn't change it. Like, would I go back to working a nine to five job or whatever? Not a chance in the world. So. Yes, I work fucking hard, and yes, sometimes it'd be nice to have more free time, but you know what happens, mate? When I get free time, pants are off, party's on, like we're <laughs> going for it. You can smell the roses at the same time you're working hard, yeah? Like I've said it many times, my whole goal in life is to build something where I get to a point where I can work by choice, not by necessity. That's going to take hard work, and I hope it doesn't take until I'm 70, so I've only got three years of putting my feet up or whatever, but... <laughs> At the same time, just because someone's working seven days a week and, and 24 hours a day, they might fucking love it. No, absolutely, they absolutely. They love it, mate. What lessons are you learning from the other people, though? And you're right. My, my mum and dad had this vision to enjoy that wealth when they retire. But you are right. On the other hand, where my father worked hard and it wasn't until some advice from you to go and speak to your father, what about him he want from his life? 
And all he wanted was his family to be together. He never had aspirations of owning the world or a house by the water or owning Ferraris. All he wanted was his family to be together. Wow. Because he left his family in Italy at the age of 19. So he wanted his family here to be together. And he's got that. So he achieved his dream. And he worked his ass off to give us everything we've had. Yeah, I still believe that you um spending every Thursday with your dad. Every Thursday I go and see my dad for a couple of hours. Sometimes wow. I call bingo for the old people at the nursing home. You have lunch with him sometimes. Because I know I called you when you say, oh, I'm sorry, man, I was with dad. Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, I take him up to the local um, uh, pub and we have a bit of a counter lunch up there. He's getting a little bit older, 88 now, so he's a little bit frail and... He doesn't know if he's eaten it yet or not, but he, you know, don't get me much. I'm not hungry, and then he smashes a T-bone steak like you've never seen one before. But uh, those lessons, I think, we need to make sure we don't want to repeat the things that we didn't enjoy during that process, during yeah. that journey. And I didn't enjoy seeing my mum go downhill and not being able to enjoy her hard work that she put in. Right. And that's the lesson that I got out of it. Mum was happy to have all her family around her and that we were looking after her and we were always all together and my sisters and I were still a strong unit. And my parents would be so proud of that. But the lessons I got from that was make sure you enjoy every day as it is. Well, if you're enjoying what you're doing... Absolutely, you know, mate. Right, that's, you can work through jobs, but if you love it... You I love would move heaven and hell to come and do a podcast with you guys. Because I love it. Because yeah. it's not hard work. Because when you find fun in something, <laughs> it's hard fun. Yeah. Oh, mate, that's fun. It's fun. Like that's what I say about that's what I say about what I'm doing. Like I should you open another office? Probably not if you wanna keep your sanity, but I love that part of it. Yeah. I love the challenge of it. I love the challenge of trying to work staff out and, and them work me out and working out the magic formula. Like, for me that's a passion. That's why I was never gonna last long as an employee. It doesn't matter if you work till you're 100. If you're doing something that you love... You're not working. You're not working. So, yes, there's working yourself into the ground, and, yes, there's, you need time at times so you don't burn out, not that burnout exists to you all, but, yeah, I don't think looking at someone and going, oh, fuck, they work too hard, I don't want that for me. I'm just going to... I'm taking my days off and I'm doing this and yeah, that. Yeah. Just understand that if that is it, you've got what you got because you only get out of something what you put into it. Yeah, the universe will return said, everything to you, right? The universe, whatever you put out there, it will come back. might not come back tomorrow. I say this to my guys about prospecting. You might make 500 calls and not find a seller, but you watch four sellers walk in through the door the next day and ask for you just out of the blue. The universe never fails, mate. As long as people understand that it might look like that <laughs> bloke's running himself into the ground and I don't want that in my life, okay, he might be loving the fact that he's doing what he's doing. Absolutely. And he's doing it for a different – and understand that if you're doing what you're doing, you're happy with what you got in your life, congratulations. But that's all you're going to get. Yeah, I think to just follow on, on what you're saying, probably even closing there, boys, because I, we've done a bloody good job on here. Burnout is nothing else to me but hard work on something you dislike. Right, because when you do hard work on something you love, it becomes passion, and passion consumes you as much as burnout. But it's a funny thing: one kills you, the other one just lights you on fire. You can run out of energy though, like the physical human Both. body. I've seen people, I've seen people out of passion run out of energy. Burn out, yeah, but they not they don't <laughs> burn out; they just light up, and it's an amazing thing because burnout is nothing else but letting energy consume you. When you're passionate, energy consumes you, but you also find a way to re-energize. I mean, the number of times, for example, I do seminars where I stand in front of a group and I feel drained. Or straight away, I know exactly who's draining me and I can shut it off and then hook myself up into two or three other people who re-energize me in that same moment. You know, So I think what you have to do is to first work damn hard at whatever you're doing right now. Find the thing you really love. Once you've found that thing you really love, get into it and just do it the best you can. How do you do the best you can? By learning about yourself, your virtues, and developing them. Because virtues are there to help you. It's the fuel. Once you then found that thing that you really love and then just do it the best you can, you'll never find hard work for the rest of your life because it becomes a hobby, right? Thanks, boys, Agreed. for today. Thank you. Thank All right. you. Thank you very Thanks, much. Boys. And I'm um, very, very sorry Thanks, you had uh, the accident, mate, so we talked to you later on. <laughs> See, you, man. See you next week. And if you can't make it next week, I just want to repeat, Stephen Thompson's <laughs> wants to be back. 